Today's episode of Wine and Dime is sponsored by Rooted Planning Group, a fee-only financial planning firm that believes life is about events, supported by your dollars and cents. And we want to help you achieve your goals. Hop on over to www.rootedpg.com to learn more about the services. Every week, it's my goal to share financial information that helps you in both your life and financial vineyard. We hope it takes you from your roots to the journey of your vines and the influences in the air that have helped craft your delicious life. Like wine, life and finances have different palettes that should be celebrated and not judged. Hello, everyone. My name is Amy Irvine. I am the founder and financial planner at Rooted Planning Group. Excited to have you here today listening to our February 4th monthly chart book update. We hope that if you like what you hear, you will subscribe to our YouTube channel. So whenever we release this kind of information, you'll be notified. I'm building today's presentation off from the two minute uh, summary that we've already prepared and released for you. So if you haven't listened to that, go back and listen. And this may just grow on top of what we've, we've already said. So one of the things that I mentioned in there is that the S&P 500 this year is up a little over almost 8%, not quite 7.7% as of the recording of this video and as of Friday prior to the recording of this video. You'll notice that stocks and bonds have both struggled recently and in 2022, both categories were actually down, which is unusual to have both. If you look back historically, you don't see both categories down in, in the um, same year. And then when I say historically, I'm talking from 1990. This breaks the historical pattern driven by falling bond yields, which supports bond prices. However, we do believe that, and, and as you can see both this year so far, both have increased or recovered slightly, although not completely. So when we look at the aggregate of both the stocks and the bonds and the annual returns, you'll see that on average, U.S. aggregate is around 5% for bonds and on average, 11% for stocks. Now, these are all averages and they take into consideration some pretty significant downturns as well. And we can never guarantee that future returns will average out to be that. But this is the historical information. So when we look at years like 2022 or 2008 or 2020, 21, 2022, 2002, excuse me, 20, 2000, 2001 and 2002, you can see that those are brought into the historic averages. We'd love to believe that uh, we'd love to believe that the market will go straight up like this uh dotted line shows. Unfortunately, that's not the case. You see a lot of jigs and jags along the way. Uh, even looking back from where we were in 2009, which was a low point on the S&P 500, we've definitely seen an increase over this period of time. Now, again, we may not see that kind of growth going forward, but I think when people are feeling uh, uneasy about what the market, what the S&P 500 has been doing, this is a great chart showing the benefits of staying in the market over the long run, in the equity market over the long run, um, so that you know we can have that larger return over time, potentially, I should say. These are the stock market moving averages over the last 50, 100, 200 days for the S&P 500. So what we're looking at is this information right here. When you look at the jagged line, that's the S&P 500. So that's the actual S&P 500 movement. The 50-day rolling average, 100 and 200, that's those various colored lines. So the 50 is orange, 
The 100 is kind of a pinky salmon red and the 200 is uh, green. This is something that we watch very closely. And as you can see, these are starting to really converge uh, together. And the narrower they get, that typically can be a technical signal. That's not to say fundamental, but a technical signal. Now, as you can see, these are all kind of swinging on the upside. So is that a a technical buy signal. I think history will tell us yes or no. But if you look at the past, when these averages tend to cross, that's when you tend to see a period of time like right in here where all of those averages kind of cross. That's a period of time that we see something um, of a buy or potentially a sell. Uh, that's that's also uh, in the card, could be in the cards, but we think it's on the buy side of things since it's on the upside that we're seeing these uh, these moving averages combined. We have seen uh, stock market price to earning ratios increase. The historical average is 15.6%, as you can see by this number right here. Um, so we have seen that go back up to a higher valuation, not certainly at the peak, but we have seen that increase as a, a higher valuation. So this is another reason why we want to stay diversified across asset classes, both in the U.S. and globally. And I know over the past couple of years, especially in 2022, we were encouraging people to increase in their global uh, exposure. And once again, I know you've seen this chart in the past, but all of those things that I just said to you are why we encourage people to stay in the market you can see if you had missed the, the best 40 days, um, historically talking, in the market, then your initial $1,000 that you would have invested would have actually only been worth $400. That's if you pulled money out and sat on the sidelines and waited for the market recovery to happen and missed the best 40 days. That's what your money was worth. If you just stayed fully invested during that period of time, then your 1000 would have had the greatest value of $3,500. So I know you've seen that before. I think it's just important to reiterate it because I do think there's going to be some volatility in this first quarter of 2023. I don't think it's going to be just an uphill uh, swing. So I want people to remember this as some of that volatility starts to show its, its uh, ugly head again, I guess you want to say. So I, want to, I just want to switch over now to some of the uh, economic news that I think is important. While the S&P 500 and other indexes have begun to show recovery, I like to remind people that, that the stock market especially um, is a, a leading indicator in both directions up and down. So when you hear things in the news about the economy likely going into a recession, we are seeing that leading indicators are showing that. So when we look at this chart, we're actually reflecting that that's probably going to happen. Indicators usually turn negative several months before recession as the economy accelerates. But that in the mind of traders, when we are in a recession, that's a period of time where things are cheaper. And, and therefore, you tend to see the S&P 500 actually recover uh, or be the leading indicator of recovery in the economic cycle. So we like to show people that leading indicators and the S&P 500 don't necessarily always go lockstep. So when we talk about a recession, we feel it's important to understand there are different components of the GDP and the weight of those components has, has definitely changed over time. When you look at where it was 20 years ago compared to where it was today, here's the legend for you guys to follow. You can see that the changes have happened and exports have definitely um 
declined in their weight where consumption has increased. So the composition of the U.S. GDP GDP has shifted over the past several decades. GDP is broken down into consumer spending, investment spending, government spending, and trade balance. And consumer spending has increased as a share over the past decade. So let's break this down just a little bit more. Talk about what is on the screen here. Um, So when you look at all of the different components, so here's GDP and then here's all the different components that I've mentioned. Consumer spending both impacts the job market and is impacted by it. So it's, you know, which comes first, the chicken or the egg. Strong consumer spending drives up top line revenue growth for businesses and creates incentives to expand. Technology and consumer sectors in particular benefited from those trends over the past few years as the households spent their pandemic savings and stimulus checks while also taking on more debt. This fueled rapid hiring activity and led to record job openings and strong wage gains. In December, the average wage increase for hourly employees was about 5% from the year before. Not better than inflation, but positive nonetheless. The reversal of these trends as households reduce discretionary items, including personal computers, home furnishings, is why the sectors are now experiencing layoffs, even though staffing levels are still generally higher than they were beforehand. Large tech companies, including Alphabet, which for many people, they know it as Google, Microsoft, Amazon, and Salesforce are laying off thousands, ranging from anywhere from 2% to 10% of their workforce. And in embattled areas such as uh, crypto, job cuts have been even worse, um, uh, even among established players such as Coinbase, which is laying off about 20% of its staff. Outside of tech companies such as the Dow, 3M, Hasbro, Wayfair, and many others have announced similar job cuts. So I think that this is something that when we look at the overall information and the quarter by quarter Even though GDP is actually positive for the past quarter, when you look at different areas, there's clearly different uh, numbers that we're looking at as far as total GDP. You know, we're we're looking at declines in compared to uh, the 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 total GDP. I mentioned quickly consumer spending. We've seen uh, retail sales, you know, continue to decline Non-store has actually recovered just slightly, but retail sales have continued to decline year over year. Again, that just reinforces the information that I just recently shared with you. Building permits have been hit significantly hard. So when you look at where they're at at this point in time, that's definitely showing a portion of the GDP that's declining uh, over the last year. Existing home sales, this is the latest, very significant decline from the average as well as the peak in January of 2022. When you look at job gains by sector since 2020, we've seen an increase overall of about 2%. Although if you look down through the detail, you'll definitely see some areas of much higher growth and some areas of of decline. Of course, the leisure and hospitality was hit extremely hard during 2020 and COVID and has recovered some, but is still down about 3% since that period of time. Layoff announcements, however, are ramping up as companies adjust to slowing sales and profitabilities. 
So far, the major cuts have been concentrated in technology and consumer-related industries due to overhiring during the pandemic recovery when demand was unusually high. Whether this spills into the broader economy is the subject of debate among investors and economists. With markets already expecting a mild recession in 2023, how should long-term investors maintain perspective on this topic over the next year? That's a great question. There is no doubt that the economy has slowed from the rapid post-pandemic pace that fueled overexpansion by, by companies and arguably overconfidence. Recent GDP numbers show that the economy grew 2.1% in 2022 compared to 5.9% the year before. From a macroeconomic perspective, this is the result of the usual culprits that have dampened the mood of consumers and businesses, inflation and the Fed hikes. This has hit the category of residential fixed investments, as I previously showed, especially hard, and the housing market adjusts to higher interest rates. Similarly, consumer spending slowed at the end of last year and retail sales figures declined 1.1% in December, and personal consumption and expenditures, which are adjusted for inflation, fell 0.1% in November and 0.2% in December. While layoffs are never a pleasant, uh, never pleasant for individuals or companies, investors need to maintain a broad perspective to best understand how they might affect markets. Whether these layoffs have a domino effect on the rest of the economy depends on whether they are only the result of overhiring in specific industries or due to broader economic trends such as slowing growth and the Fed's battle against inflation. These are just a few key facts to keep in mind. We hope that you have enjoyed this episode of the monthly recap. If so, please don't forget to like us and subscribe to us on YouTube. We will release these on a monthly basis and be prepared for more information coming out more frequently from Rooted Planning Group on the YouTube channel. Thank you so much, everyone. And that will about do it for today's episode of Wine and Dine. You can contact Amy through the website, www.rootedpg.com or amy at rootedpg.com. You can also follow us on Facebook and Instagram at rootedpg for the latest news. And if you have any questions, comments, or topics you would like to hear about, feel free to let us know. And don't forget to rate and subscribe the show wherever you get your podcasts. And again, thank you for listening and be sure to tune in next time.